Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. So, the dream died there Friday night, didn't it? Man, we were talking about a Sunday night in the sports office channel, too, and just you can just feel it among you fans. You know, we all know you fans in the community. Maybe you see them going to church, going to work. They're your neighbors. They're the family. They're the friends. They're you, and you know how you feel. Downer. Total downer. 11-1, and one. <coughs> win the game, and you're going to the Rose Bowl. You might be going to the playoff, but you're certainly going to the Rose Bowl, and now they're going to Alamo because they got blown out. They got smoked, and there's no respect for the league. The only league left out of the playoff is Pac-12. Oregon goes to the Rose Bowl, the only Power 5 league that doesn't get a second team in to one of the New Year's Six Bowl games is the Pac-12. Virginia, ranked 24th, gets into the Orange Bowl because the Orange Bowl is the ACC home bowl, and they lost the team to the playoff because obviously Clemson's going to the playoff. So Broncos going to the Orange Bowl, probably to get pounded by Florida, probably to just get lit up. Um, so it's total down, and you just pull themselves together now and got to play Texas where they're six-and-a-half-point favorites in the Alamo Bowl. Texas is 7-5. and five. Now, San Antonio and Austin are – depending on what parts of San Antonio and Austin you're driving from, 60 to 90 minutes apart, it's not much. There ought to be a ton of Texas fans at the Alamo Dome. It's a fun place to go. Uh, the Riverwalk is right across the freeway from the Alamo Dome, which is where the Utes played in the Final Four, which is where the Jazz played the Spurs in the playoffs back in the day with David Robinson and all that stuff. Now they've since moved into a uh, you know, obviously a basketball arena, but they used to play in the Dome. And now the youths will be there for the Alamo Bowl. So, how do they bounce back? How are they doing? Uh, let's hear from one of the players, Terrell Burgess. And uh, <laughs> as you'll hear him say, he's, he's still not over the Pac- that It's going to take a while to get over that Pac-12 title game loss. That's going to stick with them for a long time. But they know they got to uh, pull themselves together and get ready for Texas. Here's Terrell Burgess. How's the team right now feeling, obviously, um, after the disappointment? Uh, I mean, that, it sucks, but, you know, now we're on to a new game. You know, we're going to play Texas in the Alamo Bowl, so it's a great honor. We're glad to have another chance to play for the seniors and for this team. You know, it's still a great year. Not many teams get a chance to win 11 games, so I think it's just we got to make the best of it and just make sure that we go out on top. They have a receiver that's the top receiver in the nation with 103 catches. What kind of challenge does that pose? And then, given the injury situation, yes, sir. a big concern? Uh, no, I mean, there's, we always preach that there's a next man up uh, kind of program here, so we got to just make sure we got guys ready to play the next. I mean, I'm sure he's a great receiver. I don't know his name, but is he pretty good? Anyone know his name? <laughs> I don't know his name. I'm, I'm guessing he's pretty good. If he, what if is he? You know. Devin DeVernie. Devin DeVernie. Oh, oh yeah, 103 catches. Well, we're excited to play against him. I mean, I, we've played great receivers in the Pac-12, so it'll just be another challenge that we have every week. With the year you had, 11 wins, and you know, wanting to get that sour taste out of your mouth from, from what happened Friday, how important is it for you guys to win this football game? I mean, every game's important so we we try and make sure that we we play the best of our abilities at all times so I think it's it's a big thing you know we want to send the seniors off the right way you know I'm a senior so I want to go out as the best way I can so I think it's just you know we all have to make sure that we're practicing the right ways and get to San Antonio and win the game. 
Terrell, there's a growing trend in the last couple of years in college football of upperclassmen or seniors um, potentially skipping the bowl game to focus on pro days and working out and things like that. Yes, Has anything like that crossed your mind? Oh, no, 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 no. I, I love playing for this team. I, I came here. I didn't come here not to play in games. I, I try to make sure I play in every game I can with, you know, barring any injuries and bruises. But, yeah, I, that hasn't even crossed my mind. Have other teammates talked about that possibility? Oh, no, not that I know of. And I think everybody wants to play, yeah. What goes into flushing a bad performance like that and knowing that you guys have one last go together and kind of putting all your eggs in that basket? Um, I think the biggest thing is just understanding, you know, we – it, it sucks to lose, and nobody likes nobody likes losing. I, I hate losing more than anything. But I think the biggest thing is we have to just understand that you know anybody can lose on any given day, and that was I guess that just it just wasn't our day, and we have to make sure that we make sure that we don't lose again. If that makes right. sense. Yeah. Did you watch football games yesterday? I did. I did. Yeah. I, uh, my brother's big on football. He calls me every day, so we, uh, we watched a few games together over FaceTime. So that was nice. What was it like knowing that everything else that needed to happen happened? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it sucks, but I mean, all that didn't matter unless we did our job, and clearly we didn't. So. What do you know about Texas, and, and how excited are you to play in sort of one of those blue blood college football programs? Uh, I'm actually very excited to play them. I uh, I grew up watching the Longhorns, so it's a it'll be a good honor to play against them. Uh, they have got a great team. They've got a great quarterback. Uh, so it, I'm excited to play them. How much do you lean on a guy like Cam Rising, who has a lot of familiarity oh, in that program? I forgot Cam. <laughs> That's a, I guess I guess you can lean on him a little bit. I mean. You wouldn't want somebody to like, I, I guess, steal their plays or something like that. But I mean, you know, well, I guess we'll we'll take our nits and bits from him right. and just you know play the best of our abilities, watch film, know what we can, and just go out there and, and play. Terrell, after everything you guys did for four months to get to Friday, what's it like to process the last forty-eight hours? Oh, it's it's tough, you know, but uh, it happens. I, I mean, I, I hate it more than anything, but we got to just move on and just get ready for the next game. Do you look at this last game as kind of like a chance for you guys to, I don't want to say define your legacy at this school, but maybe go out, obviously, on a more positive note than Friday night? Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, we all had, you know, high hopes and aspirations to to, to win that game, but it, it didn't fall. It, you know, the... It didn't, it didn't happen for us, so we got to just make sure that we go out the best way we can at this point. There's Terrell Burgess. Here's Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. He wants to see a lot of youth fans in San Antonio. Is there some frustration that an 11-win team could get left out of the New Year's Six Bowl games? Frustration with the system and the way things were set up. Yeah. Well, any frustration uh, was washed pretty quick when, when you get a call from the Alamo Bowl director and, and you hear his excitement, uh, his group's excitement, and then to find out our opponent is Texas was washed away pretty quick. It's a, it's a great opportunity for us to go out and win our 12th game. Incredible group of seniors, incredible team. Um, and our plan is just to go out and, and get after it. You were only one spot away from the NY6, as it turned out. Did, did that surprise you at all, or did you wake up today with hopes of it happening? Well, we all woke up today and yesterday. That's the first thing I'll say, <laughs> right? That's important. Um, you know, I, I was, uh, I don't know if I was really surprised or not. I think all year I've let the process work. I have great respect for uh, folks on that committee. Some are personal friends of mine. I know how hard they work. I noticed that we were one spot away, and, and uh, you know that just shows you how close we are as a program. You know, we've won the South two years in a row. We were living in the in the top ten for the last uh, three or four weeks, so we know you know that we're that we're this close to, to reaching uh, all our goals. 
But again, I think the chance to go out and, and, and win a 12th game coming off a, a nine-win season last year in our ninth season in the Pac-12, there is a lot to be really excited about. Just to follow up with Kurt said, being 11, <clears throat> is there a sense that if Friday was a little more competitive, maybe you sneak up to 10 and sneak into the Cotton Bowl? I think that, that you know, I just listened to, to the media uh, and, and, and what they were saying, Kirk and the guys on the set, and I think that that was something that I heard. But again, in, until I really talk to those guys, when the dust settles, I'll, I'll get some out of them to kind of learn a little bit uh, about all of that. But I think we were really, really close. Um, our goal was to win that game. We, d- we didn't get it done, obviously. Oregon played a great game, and, and we're going to go out and uh, be, be excited about having another opportunity. So in terms of the Alamo, were you pretty confident they would pick you if you were available? I was. Derek Fox, their their director, uh, and his team have been to about six of our games this year. Um, never, never had played there. I think for them to have a chance to get the 11th ranked team is a pretty special thing. And, and I'm sure they're excited to have Texas, who someone just told me is 90 minutes away from San Antonio, <laughs> which of course leads me into my call for action for you fans. I mean, if we've ever needed you, we need you now. Um, this group deserves it. Um, you know, it's been a special season. Hadn't lost a game, um, you know, before the other night since mid-September and the excitement that they brought. So we're going we're gonna to need folks to fight off that burnt orange uh, and bring a lot of red to the game. But uh, we're so thankful for our fans, but we are going to need them one more time. When you recruit in Texas, does playing a bowl game in Texas against a Texas opponent make it more attractive to, to the program? Oh, absolutely. I mean, Coach Whittingham can certainly address that more specifically, but we have some wonderful young people that, that uh, have come to us from Texas. That's a hotbed for football. Have that opportunity to, to play in San Antonio in front of them, playing against the school that they probably really look at. I think all of that is another really attractive piece uh, to this opportunity. What are your thoughts on, on Texas and, and, you know, sort of getting to play a, a blue bud like that? Well, I think at a chance, time you get a chance to play one of the uh, programs that has that kind of history, you're, you're excited about it. Um, we would have been excited to play anybody, but I do think Texas brings with them that that uh, that kind of thing. I think last year they were in the, the Sugar Bowl. Um, you know, I know their coach very well. Their athletic director is a personal friend. I know a lot about their program, and, and I think it's another opportunity for us to go out um, and show the nation what we can do. What was this season like for you to, to watch it all unfold and climb the heights he got it was magical it was um, it was so fun to watch the guys work so hard um, see the the post USC uh, togetherness um, how they went out each and every week I mean it was championship uh, Saturday for for eight straight weeks uh, SC had the pressure on us all year our guys responded we got to championship game we didn't get it done but we were there you got to be in the arena to have a chance um, so real proud of them for, for all that real proud of coach Witt and the staff um, they'll learn and, and from it and grow from it, as we, as we often do here at Utah. It's what we do. But the big thing is, like we proved after USC, we're going to get ourselves up and we're going to get after it. There's Utah Athletic Director Mark Harlan. New Year's Eve, San Antonio, 530 kickoff. All right, we are going to take a break. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham and Tom Herman, the coach of Texas, on a conference call, looking ahead to the game. That's coming up next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. 
Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time now to listen in to the Alamo Bowl coaches. Kyle Whittingham and Tom Herman on their conference call looking ahead to the game. Uh, Kalani Sataki didn't do any media yesterday. BYU's going to the Hawaii Bowl. We'll hear from him later today. We'll have that for you um, tomorrow morning. And then uh, also the Aggies are going to Frisco, Texas. I, I just can't imagine there's going to be anybody there. I don't know what the worst attended bowl game is going to be, um, but I would think that the Aggies playing Kent State in Frisco, Texas would be right there among the most poorly attended. My San Diego State Aztecs playing Central Michigan in Mexico. Yeah, not going to be a lot of people there either. Uh, the Alamo Bowl, there will be a lot of people there. Tom Herman, Texas Longhorns coach. Their campus is a short drive away. they got a ton of fans in Austin and San Antonio. Here's Tom Herman with Kyle Whittingham looking ahead to the Alamo Bowl on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, I'd like to welcome you all here. I think a good reality show would be showing what happens when you have the number one pick outside the CFP, and it changes your whole discussion uh, based on who does it. So we've had a fun uh, afternoon, a very exciting one. So I'd like to introduce our head table today. We have our chair in the middle, that's Brad Barron. We have Valero Senior Vice President, our title sponsor, Gary Simmons. And we have our President and CEO, Derek Fox. Brad, could you kick off today's press conference? Sure will. Thank you for being with us today as we celebrate the teams that are going to participate in the 27th annual Valero Alamo Bowl. So as all of you know, the Alamo Bowl has been on a roll. So seven years ago, with the help from our title title sponsor, Valero, we significantly increased our team payouts. And what that did, that helped us improve our selection rights. Shortly after that, we forged a partnership with the Big 12 and the Pac-12 which allowed us to have the top picks in each of those conferences after the CFP. So we're now in the sixth year of that arrangement, and it's produced a great matchup each and every year, and this year is no exception. So the bowl owes much of its success, as I said, to the steadfast and generous support of Valero Energy. So I'm thrilled to say that Valero has also extended their title sponsorships through 2025, which coincides. That coincides with our deal with each of the conferences and ESPN as well. So please join me in thanking Valero again, and let me introduce Gary Simmons, Senior Vice President of Valero Energy. Gary, you want to say a few words? Well, thank you, Brad. Valero's been a partner of this event since its inception and title sponsor since 2007. We're just proud to have played a role in fueling the growth of the Valero Alamo Bowl and making Bowl Week one of the most anticipated times of the year here in San Antonio. Being the number one bowl outside the college football playoffs means each year we have the chance to choose some extraordinary teams from both conferences. With that said, I'll turn it back over to Brad, and he'll announce who will be playing in the 2019 Valero Alamo Bowl. Thank you again, Gary, and thank Valero. So on behalf of the team selection committee, I would like to thank all all of the Big 12 and the Pac-12 universities that hosted uh, our people there as they... uh, looked at each of the schools throughout the, the uh, season. also want to congratulate all of the schools on their exceptional success. And we are happy to announce that Utah from the Pac-12 and Texas from the Big 12 have accepted invitations to play in the 2019 Valero Alamo Bowl. No, we don't? Okay. So the Utes and the Longhorns are going to square off in the Alamo Dome on Tuesday, December 31st at 6.30 p.m. So, led by highly acclaimed head coaches, as well as two outstanding quarterbacks, it's sure to be a great matchup. Derek is going to tell us a little bit more about each team and about the quarter and the coaches as well. 
Well, Brad, thank you very much, and congratulations on a great matchup. We've got two uh, great guests, uh, besides two great guests here at the head table, but two on the phone we'll get to here very quickly and let them tell us a little bit about their teams. But first up, from the Pac-12, we have the Utah Utes, who come in ranked number 11, making their first appearance in the San Antonio for the Valero Alamo Bowl. A win in this year's bowl game would give the Utes 12 wins this season, tying their current record for most wins in a season. Utah joins Clemson and Ohio State as the only ranked FBS teams to rank in the top 10 in both offensive and defensive yards per play. Senior quarterback Tyler Huntley ranks among the best quarterbacks in the country and ranks second in completion percentage. Senior running back Zach Moss is ranked sixth in most rushing yards among all FBS players with 4,010 yards. In addition to Utah's offensive strength, their defense is led by seniors Bradley and I and Lako Fatu continue to make one of the best defenses in the country as they were ranked first in rushing defense, they're ranked third in total defense, and sixth in scoring defense. So a tremendous program coming in from Utah. On the other side of the ball, we have the Texas Longhorns. Texas will be making their third appearance in the Valero Alamo Bowl. They finished the season with a 7-5 and record and ranked third in the Big 12 Conference standings. This season, Texas has nine players who earned all Big 12 recognition, including senior receiver Devin DuVernay and senior offensive tackle Zach Shackelford. Sam Ellinger threw for 3,462 yards and 29 touchdowns and accounted for 4,052 yards in total offense. Ellinger's go-to target is All-American candidate wide receiver Devin DuVernay, who, uh, who led the nation in receptions per game and total receptions at 103. So with that, we've got two distinguished guests on the line I want to get to. They've taken time out of their busy recruiting schedule to, to tell us a little about their team. So first up, Coach Herman, welcome to San Antonio, the Valero Alamo Bowl, and tell us a little bit about your Texas Longhorns this year. Well, we, we've, uh, uh, we're a young team. I appreciate you having me. Um, and uh, we are thrilled uh, to, to be uh, represented at the, the Alamo Bowl and um, – we're a young team that, uh, uh, you know, had some injuries and, and um, we didn't exactly meet our expectations, but uh, I, I think our kids play really, really hard. We've got some really good young talent and uh, we're excited to be there. Talk just briefly about uh, Sam Ellinger and the leadership he brings to this team. Yeah, I mean, he's uh I, I call him a, a marry your daughter kind of kid. You know, I mean, he's uh, he makes great grades. He's, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've got a 16 year old. I'm I'm asking him to wait, you know, uh, wait a little bit till till she's of age. I'm going to try to set him up at some point. But uh, um, no, he he's an unbelievable young man. He's uh, a great leader. He he was uh, our only non-senior that was a captain. Uh, just leads by example and by his voice. Uh, and by his production on the field. I mean, he's uh, a heck of a player, heck of a competitor, and uh, really, really represents uh, our way of doing things uh, the right way. Great. I know you probably haven't a chance to, to uh, break down much film about Utah yet, but obviously Coach Whittingham has, has done a tremendous job at, at Utah, uh, year in and year out, offensively, defensively, special teams, play all phases of the game. But tell us a little bit about what you think about the, the stingy defense you're going to face in, in Utah. Yeah, I, again, I, I don't know a whole lot other than um, what the stats say, but I, I do know Coach Whittingham and, and his reputation, and, and I, I know the, both of us work for, for Coach Urban Meyer, and uh, Coach Whittingham has had some unbelievable defenses in the past, and this year is is not 
not much different, if, if any. I mean, uh, the, the stats that you read at first in terms of rush yards, yards per play, all that stuff, I mean, it's uh, uh, we know that, that our offense is, is going to be uh, you know, in for a, a big-time challenge. And, and again, uh, you know, our defense as well. You know, uh, I know their quarterback, uh, as you said, is second in the country uh, in completion percentage, very efficient guy that, uh, you know, has obviously led them to the Pac-12 championship game. And so really complete team. But uh, I, I do know that Coach Whittingham, uh, you know, without studying either side on, on video, I, I do know that Coach Whittingham uh, is going to hang his hat on defense. And, and uh, this year's no exception. Great. Well, Coach Whittingham, we want to uh, thank you for a great season and welcome you to the Valero Alma Bowl as well. So I'll let you have a few opening words and comments about your program coming to San Antonio. Yeah, well, first of all, we're excited. It's our first trip to uh, the Alamo Bowl. And, uh, you know, our guys, uh, we have quite a few players on our roster from the state of Texas, so that'll be a good experience for those guys to be able to get back home and play in front of some of their family. Um, you know, got a lot of respect for this Texas team. Uh, you know, they got you got some pretty good players. I mean, obviously the quarterback over 4,000 yards total offense and the receiver that's got over 100 catches and over 1,200 yards. Uh, you know, just Texas itself steeped in tradition in the program and, and, uh, just a lot of, a lot of positives there. So we're, we're excited about that. And, uh, you know, we feel like our team is, is, uh, you know, we played good football this year. We came up a little bit short on the, you know, last game. But uh, as you mentioned, we've got a quarterback that we think is elite, as well as an elite running back and an elite defense. So, so we got some things going for us. But uh, you know, like I said, Texas. Uh, you know, all you got to do is watch them play against LSU and Oklahoma. Both those games were one-score games, and uh, you know, just a lot of talent. And uh, it'll be should be a great matchup. So, Coach, you've got a very uh, senior-laden team. And, and talk a little bit about, you know, Tyler and Zach and maybe some of the other players who have certainly built and been the, the, the foundation for this team this year and, and what they've meant to the program and a chance to get together for one more game on the field. You know, this senior group is special. Uh, you know, back-to-back South, uh, Pac-12 South champs. And, uh, you know, we're senior-laden on defense, not on offense. We're, we've got, uh, you know, very few seniors on offense. But defensively, uh, we do have a bunch of seniors, particularly – uh, you know, in the front, we've got three guys that uh, we think are as good a defensive front guys we've ever had here, and, and so uh, you know, we feel like like we uh, you know maybe have our best defense we've ever had in the University of Utah, at least since I've been here, and that's a while. You know, I've been here 25 years, so so we think that uh, those guys and statistically it bears that out. Uh, and then offensively, we've got some emerging stars. You know, we had uh, Brad Kiki, our true sophomore tight end from the state of Texas, ironically that uh, had a tremendous year and is really turning into a, a, a star for us. And so, uh, yeah, a lot of positives. Uh, Coach Winnie Hammond, I'm sure you're out on the, on the road uh, recruiting right now as we speak. So tell us a little bit about what it means to bring your team to San Antonio and the state of Texas to showcase your, your team as far as potential recruits down the road as well. Well, yeah, that's right in our recruiting footprint. You know, we have three main uh, footprints, uh, Southern Cal, in-state here in Utah, and in Texas. The, you know, the majority of our team is, is comprised of players from uh, those three areas. And so it's going to be uh, great for our you know, exposure for our team to our, in our program to come into San Antonio and be able to uh, you know, play in, in that state and have uh, you know, recruits being able to uh, – you know, take note of that, and, and of course, playing Texas. I mean, that that adds to it as well. That gives even more of a Texas uh, flair to the game. 
There's Kyle Whittingham and Tom Herman. We're going to take a break. When we come back, the Jazz get a much-needed victory over Memphis. Best of the postgame show coming up. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. All right, the Utah Jazz, they get the win over Memphis Saturday. Memphis shorthanded. Memphis is a bad team. The Jazz roll them, shoot the ball really well, which they should have. Now they get the Thunder tonight, who are going back-to-back after playing yesterday. So the schedule's breaking the Jazz way here a little bit. Let's get to the best of the Jazz postgame show. True Jazz recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Jazz played much better Saturday night against the Memphis Grizzlies. They get a win 126-112. to Granted, a compromised Memphis Grizzlies team with no John Morant. However, uh, the Jazz really just needed a win. Uh, seven Jazz players ended the game in double figures, led by Donovan Mitchell, who had 20 two points. Uh, two Jazz players had double-doubles. Rudy Gobert with 19 points and 11 boards. And Joe Ingles got the start for Mike Conley. He was terrific. 12 points to go along with 10 assists. Let's get you some post-game sound. Let's start with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. It's got to keep keep working defensively. And sometimes uh, sometimes people are going to make contested shots. Jackson made an unbelievable move in front of our bench with a step-back three. Um but I, you know, our, I, I think our communication defensively continues to, you know, that, that's a key for us. And I think it manifests itself, whether it's contesting a shot, um, you know, switching when we need to switch or when someone's needing help. And, and the guys talked about it timeout. We just tried to raise, raise our level. So um, it was good that, you know, we did that. What did you like about Joe's performance tonight? Well, it, it, he he shared the ball. I think everybody was conscious, and they came out really physical early. And I think as the game progressed, you know, we our level kind of of just our determination to cut and move, um, which alleviated some of that. And you know, Joe's Joe's penetration. Um, you know, I think ten assists. So. You know, making plays for other people, um, which he's, you know, he's good at, and starting to fall into a, a comfort level. And, and I know, you know, his his ability to, like I said, to make plays and, um, you know, find people in the perimeter or finish. And you know, he had a great decision-making game. I thought he was, you know, he made really good decisions. Ben. If I could follow up on that a little bit, Coach, has there been more of a conscious effort to pair him up with Rudy, both in terms of, of actual court time, but also in terms of how often they're running plays together, given the comfort they have together? Um, you know, the, the conscious efforts on substitutions and combinations, um, there, there's been a variance with that for us, whether it's foul trouble, um, you know, guys being out. So a lot of times those things dictate some of that. Um, as you know, we've used guys in different stretches, um, whether it's matchups or combinations, and everybody's got to be able to play together. Um, but clearly, I, I think it's something. Even you know, Rudy, Donovan, 
you know, Joe, those guys have put a, a real premium on really being connected in pick and roll, and you can see that, um, you know, with Joe, because he, he likes to, he uses the screen, um, and he's making good reads after the screen, and Rudy's getting good contact when he needs to, and then getting out, and, you know, that creates options for Joe and his penetration. The same thing happened tonight um, with Donovan. You know, I thought Donovan really attacked the rim, and a lot of that was he and Rudy being connected, whether it was a rescreen or an angle, and, you know, not only Joe, those, you know, I think that's something that, you know, we're going to continue to work on and, and continue to improve at. How important was that second quarter, especially after, you know, giving up that type of scoring in the first quarter and just for you guys to come back and, and be a little bit more resolute defensively? Yeah, it, you know, I think, again, to the extent that your offense kind of impacts your defense, um, you know, being sharper and more crisp on one end helps the other end. And as I said, I, you know, I, I thought we, we, we picked up our intensity. Um, but, you know, they, they did make some shots. And when that happens, you know, you look and figure out what you could do, even if it's like 5% better. You know, maybe that's the difference, a little more of a contest or whatever the case is. And, you know, that was a focal, focal point. Overall, what did you think you saw tonight that you hadn't over the past two weeks? You know, I, I, we're just going to keep working. You know, I, I think we've had good stretches and games, and, you know, consistency is the key. And, you know, one of the biggest themes is us been continuing to communicate. And, you know, that, you know, that covers up a lot of things. You know, I think, you know, as our habits continue to improve, kind of capture a little bit, you know, of kind of the defensive resolution that we had. But our guys, you know, we had a couple good days when they worked, and we need to, you know, do that again. It's not kind of a one-time thing. So um, I'd like to see us just continue to get after it and work at it and try to commit to the things we need to do better. You guys uh, got out to a strong start offensively tonight, mm -hmm. and you were able to maintain it pretty much through the rest of the game, uh, shooting 56-7% from the field and 56 from three. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of maintain that momentum going into the next game? Well, it'd be nice if that could just, you know, you could shoot well every night, but I, I think that's why um, the the focus on the defensive end and when you when you make shots, um, you know, it makes it easier. But I, th I think for us to continue to have the focus on that end and, you know, it alleviates when you, when you get stops, you know, you get better opportunities. And so that's whether it's our execution. I thought we had some our, – our passing has been an emphasis. I thought, you know, we had a couple backdoor cuts where Rudy made some good passes. Guys were, guys were connected to each other. And, you know, that, that's something that was good to see. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder, much uh, more pleased with the effort on both sides, uh, both sides of the ball. Obviously, as his team comes away with the wind, one twenty-six to one twelve. All right, let's get you some sound from the locker room. Let's get you started with Jeff Green. Uh, the win. <laughs> um, yeah, the win. Uh, you know, it felt good to get back on the winning track. Uh, the way we played today was how we were supposed to play. Um, but uh, you know. It, it felt good. It felt, it felt good to get back into that good rhythm. You said that honesty was going to be the best approach to remedying what had happened in the previous games. How much did you feel like your teammates had the discussions to get it right and not necessarily to be right? Well, I don't think we needed a discussion. I thought uh, we just had to, like I said, look ourselves in the mirror and 
you know, figure it out uh, as an individual, you know, how to better the team uh, by doing your job. And I think we did that. Uh, the last two days uh, in practice, we competed. Um, you know, we communicated a lot better. And, uh, you know, it translated into that. So, you know, I, I'll take that. How much does that build on the team when you see a teammate take such personal accountability the way your teammates did? Uh, that shows responsibility. That shows um, leadership in their own way. And it also forces everybody else to do the same. So that's that's what we need. Uh, we just got to continue to build uh, off today's win. Um, you know, we got a, a good team coming in on Monday in OKC. Um, they've been playing well, so uh, we got to get back to it tomorrow and uh, regroup and, you know, try to take some positives into Monday and, you know, do the same. What changed the most defensively for the team there in the second quarter? Uh, we was on the same page. Um, we allowed our defense to... Uh, carry over to the offense and not have it vice versa like we've been having. Um, so it was good to see that. Uh, good that we uh, you know, got back on track on our defensive side because we know that's what's going to take to win games. On the offensive side, second quarter was huge for you. I mean, you were in some kind of rhythm there. Uh, what, what were you feeling in that? Uh, my teammates just did a great job of finding me. Uh, I just wanted to be aggressive. You know, when I have the shot, take it. And, um, you know, I had uh, a couple of lucky ones at the end of the shot clock and one that actually slipped out my hand, but uh, it went in, so I'll take it. But, you know, my teammates did a great job of, you know, penetrating the lane and, you know, kicking out and finding an open guy, and I just wanted to uh, make the shot. How much fun was it to do that those, uh, well, the second alley-oop that you got? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the second one. Uh, huh? How much fun? <laughs> my bad, I got you again. <laughs> uh, I, just, I was just glad it went in this time. Um, I think the first one I just tried to uh, throw it in instead of just you know just dunk it. Um, but uh, you know I'm glad I I was able to get a revenge and Royce found me. So you know that's part of you know teammates helping teammates. Thanks, Jeff. Guys, that's Jeff Green. Let's go back to you. That was Jeff Green with a monster performance coming in off the bench. 19 points. He was seven of nine shooting, five of six from three so obviously a terrific night for Jeff Green up next uh, let's let you now hear from Donovan Mitchell having fun with it you know I think you look at a lot of us we smiled you know just kind of just enjoying it you know they got out to a little bit of a lead but being composed moving the ball taking we didn't really take care of the ball that well but like you know just playing free and playing loose I think just having fun with it what changed defensively for you guys in the second quarter um I think the urgency of kind of having what we had behind us, you know, the past few games, understanding that, you know, we can't let it happen again. And, you know, we gave up, what, 36 points in the first quarter, and then we ended up going like 11 or 13 to run. You know, just being able to understand that that's the level we have to play at uh, at all times. Coach Snyder talks about it's hard to play great defense in this league if you're not playing quality offense. What was it about this offense tonight that helped you feel like it helped your defense? We moved the ball. You know, we were all on the same page for the most part, trying to get each other involved. And I think that's just how we have to continue to play. You know, trust each other and go out there and uh, do what we do. Coach said that even in the tough conversations you guys all had together as a team, he said listening was the best sign that led to something like this. What did you feel the same way? For sure, I think it just allows, like when it allows the person talking to understand that you know they have, you have their back. You know, not to say that we don't, but like just listening and then taking that advice and go out there doing it. You know, it's like it's like validation. You know, I think that's just sometimes what's needed. You know. 
What did Jeff bring off the bench tonight? A huge spark, you know, energy. You know, he went and caught two alley-oops in a row. I think that's that's uh, pretty tough to do. <laughs> um, just being able to go out there and knock the shots down, be able to guard Jaron Jackson in the post, find ways to continue to just be a leader. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Are you upset he missed the first one and cost you an assist? Yeah, man. I was, I was like, come on. The Jeff Green I grew up watching would have caught that in like windmill or whatever. But no, nah, he's um, I was I was happy he just uh, he was able to get the second one. How do you keep this going uh, forward? You know, this is one game, so yeah. that's, that's a start. But how do you keep it going? Well, we gotta stop turning the ball over. You know, we could put on a lot of mistakes. We gotta get back in transition. Um, I think for us, a higher a higher level team, you know, I think you know, like a LA, you know, both LA teams, you know, certain runs that they went on that they may have missed shots tonight, you know. Um, those guys make and we got to be able to compete at that level you know so being able I think we gave up 116 points that's too much you know that's that's pretty much what we're looking at but we'll take the win but we also have stuff to work on for sure moving the ball something everybody's talked about as a positive but how much it was about how you move the ball and with the purpose and all five understanding I think one taking risk like I said trusting each other you know obviously I had seven turnovers but you know I'll do them again you know just because I'm trying to find guys and I think Joe Joe going out there having 10 assists um, Rudy had a great one Ed had a great one and like being able like saying trust each other I think that opens up a lot of games you know when we a lot of people's games I should say when you when you trust each other like that Shot selection was really good tonight. Lots at the rim, lots mm-hmm. of threes. Does that almost just come naturally when the ball's moving that way? Maybe I think so. I think it's a mindset too, just going there and attacking. You know, having played this team twice already, you kind of already know where the shots are coming from. I think it's it was one of those things where they, you know, they with Rudy rolling, you know, they had to make a decision. You know, so it really opened up a lot for us. Can you point to specific situations getting back to the turnovers that make you? as a team more prone to commit them than others? Um, I, think, commit I think the unsel- unselfishness, really. I think that's really what it is. You know, I, I look at mine specifically. A lot of them were just me just trying to find guys, you know. Uh, the one-handed baseball pass I threw in the first uh, – the, sorry, in the uh, in the first uh, first half. That pretty much started the game turning over. You know, the one I had to boy and that Jay stole. Um, Jay only stole that because I used to throw us to him. So um, stuff like that, you know, trying to find Rudy. You know, Joe trying to find Ed on the roll. Like that type of stuff, I think, will take – those, you know, because they're aggressive mistakes and trying to find each other being unselfish. Um, it's the travels, like the one I had, like that's the stuff we got to work on. When you are working with your teammates, talking about different things to improve, do you get the sense from your teammates that the most important thing is to get it right and not to be right? And that seems to Yeah, I think just to like just to lock in, you know, and be able to be precise what we do. I understand that like, you know, you may make a mistake, but like just communicate it and figure it out you know I think that's the one thing we did tonight we figured a lot of stuff out coach would call some stuff we had stuff as a team you know and the coach would kind of say all right like this is what we're running you know being able to have be on one one page one as a, as a team I think is huge Cool. Guys, that's Donovan Mitchell. Let's go back to you. That was Donovan Mitchell. He led the way for the Jazz on Saturday night with 22 points on 9 of 17 shooting. Talked about, uh, and it was kind of a theme, as you'll notice, uh, as we get these post-game interviews. Selflessness, ball movement, definitely a theme of the game against the Memphis Grizzlies as the Jazz finished with 32 assists. Ten of those were from one Joe Ingles. Let's hear what he had to say. I don't know. I mean, just just trying to read it and make plays. Um Obviously, he, he's a really good screener, and um, playing with him for six years, we've we've I think we we know how to play with each other, especially in those kind of situations in the in the pick and roll, and um, yeah, just trying to come off, be aggressive, make plays. Um, yeah, I don't really overthink it too much, to be honest. How much? So obviously there's been changes in the, the rotations for you coming off the bench sometimes. How much does it increase your comfort when you're playing more with Rudy, given that, as you mentioned, that's a combo you've really been played with for a long time? Um, 
I mean, I'm not going to use it as an excuse or a, a reason or anything. I mean, like I said, I, I know Rudy well. Um, he knows me well. And um, it's always, I mean, it's, I've enjoyed playing with him for six years. Um, but, yeah, it, it's, it, it's not, uh, I don't really know what to say to him. Like, it's not going to, if I'm out there with Ed, if I'm out with Tony, um, whoever it is at, at the given time, I'm, I'm going to try and be aggressive and, and try and make plays. So, um, we all know how good a screen uh, Rudy is. Um, me and Ed are, are getting more comfortable playing with each other. Um, but, yeah, it's no it's no excuse or, or reason for me not to be aggressive and not to try and make plays for the team. Is the connection with Rudy right now, is it basically just opportunity, the reason it seems so strong? Yeah, I mean, I've been out with him there, out there with him more, uh, a little bit more. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, again, whoever's out there. Um, I, I've played with a ton of different lineups this year, so just trying to figure it out what each guy does Ed's more of a screener Rudy wants to roll like everyone's kind of different Jeff slips out of a little like everyone just kind of makes different reads so just trying to figure out each guy and um, get comfortable with, with that guy in, the, in those kind of two on two situations Joe how much do you feel like your team was able to appropriately react without overreacting to the previous couple of weeks I think there was a lot more other people were overreacting than what we were um, we the 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 good thing about it was we knew what we were doing wrong. Um, we weren't sitting here trying to figure it out. We we knew what what we needed to do. Um, I think tonight we did a lot of those things. I think we still had probably too many turnovers, but apart from that, we, we were able to run back. We were able to contest shots. Offensively, I don't know how many assists we finished with, but we moved the ball. Um, and uh, guys were making plays, finishing at the rim, whatever it was. So um, I think Coach said we shot layups and threes basically all night I don't know what the num- the numbers were but he said something about that after the game which I recalled um, which is good which is what we want to do so um, yeah it was a, a, a good turnaround from the last three or four games how we've been playing Has the team been- guys that's Joe Ingles let's go back to him that was Joe Ingles coming off double-double, 12 points, 10 assists. Let's now let's hear from Rudy Gobert. That's the team we want to be. And uh, like I said, the turnovers were mostly because we, we lacked of uh, physicality and force, especially in the first quarter. And once we, we took that away, we we just scoring you know, pretty easily. Sorry. Ed mentioned the other day that you guys have a stretch coming up, um, playing more home games, playing teams with some sub-500 records. How important is it to kind of? Obviously, you take each game importantly, but is there kind of an extra emphasis to kind of? We just gotta get better every night. You know, we, we gotta come out with an edge uh, to be great every night, to do it as a team. And uh, you know, we know that there's gonna be some tough stretches at a time, but we're gonna cut them short. And you know, and we learn from every game. We learn. We're still learning how to you know find our our groove together. And. You know, every night, every night is a is a different challenge for us to get better. What do you see uh, as as a need area of improvement on the defensive end still at this point? I think, I mean, obviously the turnovers. I think the turnovers that we the lack of focus we have at times offensively hurts our defense a lot. And I think uh, I think our physicality can raise the level. And tonight the communication was there, but the physicality wasn't there all the time. And once we we raised it up, and you know, we we picked it up. Defensively, it was very hard for them to to get the looks that they were getting in the first quarter. 
Guys, that's Rudy Gobert. Let's go back to you. Thank you. That was Rudy Gobert, a double-double. 19 points, 11 rebounds for Rudy. He also had five assists. How about that, Rudy Gobert? Five assists in the first half, actually. Had all of them in the first half. Uh, the, your final, the Jazz beat the Grizzlies 126-112. to 112. Up next, the Jazz take on the Oklahoma City Thunder tonight at Vivint. Smart Home Arena tip-off is at 7. Pre-game coverage begins at 6. There's the best of the Jazz postgame show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines on the way.